0: Good morning, my friends. In this uh, time of, of change and this season of disruption, prayer becomes all the more important. Join me in a prayer at this time. Father God, we thank you that you dwell with us and that you are accessible through your Holy Spirit and through the ministrations of your son Jesus who sits at your right hand and advocates for your people so Lord Jesus we call on you and we ask that you would not only hear our prayers but you would enter into our lives and that you would walk with us every day in a very profound way that allows us to have peace in the midst of the storm we pray that you would continue to give people hope I have prayed with a number of people over the past few weeks who are struggling and a combination of Uh, Changes at work and this long, prolonged uh, time of, of alienation has been wearing on their souls, on their minds, on their hearts. And we pray that you would walk very closely and let your strong arms surround those who struggle during this time. Allow your hope to break through. Allow your hope to be strong. Allow your people to be resilient, to find the true shalom, the peace of God that brings well-being into every aspect of life. Thank you that you promised to fight the battle for us. And as we just sang a moment ago, that when we hand things over to you, that this is our way of, of fighting the battle and allowing you to step forward as the true champion. And so I ask that you would fight against whatever forces seem to break us down or hold us back or turn us away from you rob us of that inner peace that allows us to face every challenge and every difficulty in life. Allow us to be strong. We pray for North River's future as we head into some changes. We thank you for David Cote, for the ministry he's had for 19 years on staff, and probably closer to 25 as being involved in our worship ministry. And we pray that you would give David and Cheryl clarity and direction as they s- settle into a new season. Thank you that they're still going to be around, but uh, we also ask that you would guide us through this transition time. And so we ask that you'd work through Dave and Jay and Melinda and Ashley and Patrick and all the others who are part of this team as we try to adjust to the conditions that are thrown at us, knowing that the mission is the same, but our methods have to change with the circumstances around us. Unite us around the goal of presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ that can change the human heart, that can change a a life's trajectory, and that is capable of bringing an overwhelming sense of hope that guides our lives and that allows us to walk through even the darkest of valleys knowing that you are with us. And we pray these thoughts and these prayers this morning in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Is about a struggle that his daughter is going through and instead he finds that her struggle has been triggered by his struggle her secret is really about his secret she needs hope and her ability to hope depends on how her dad will respond to her announcement about her own struggle and to her gentle confrontation that her dad needs to openly embrace his struggle as well while she needs hope And she is able to express that realization. What makes that scene so powerful is the tension that is raised when we don't know exactly how he will respond to her gentle confrontation with truth and to his own need for hope. Here's the point. Sometimes the revealing of an important secret shines a light on our need for hope. But with that revelation comes tension. The tension over whether we will embrace the conditions that contribute to our need for hope or whether we will ignore or deny those conditions and walk away. Welcome back to North River Church. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Today our topic is a little bit unusual. I'm calling it Upset by Hope. It's the second part of a series that we started last Sunday called Finding Hope. The the larger title is Finding Hope in Trying Times. Finding hope in trying times is not necessarily an easy thing to do because it is easy for our fears and anxieties to rule our emotions the longer this coronavirus exile goes on. And it is amazing how often we find people stressing out over the unknowns that we face at this time. We have questions. How will my job or my income be impacted by this crisis? How will my my kids be able to go back to school safely and on time? Will we handle the hybrid of online and in-person school? Will my college student be able to handle online classes and living at home with mom and dad again? Are the parents in the home ready to have a college student living at home again? Will the COVID-19 crisis affect the election? Can I weather the continued isolation that comes from this crisis? Will the people of North River Church come back together again, and when? Let me throw one more question on that pile that fits our topic for the day. Will I be able to receive hope in the way that Jesus offers it? I have to walk you through the setting for the text that was read for you a few moments ago by Allie. The setting has to do with a Saturday morning in Nazareth. Verse 16 says, Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. In most ways, this was a normal Saturday morning in Nazareth, except it was not normal at all. Jesus had come back to his hometown, and he did what he had always done on the Sabbath he went to the synagogue. Knowing that Jesus was back in Nazareth, the synagogue was probably packed. And then as the service began to roll out, Jesus stood up to read. The scroll of Isaiah was handed to him. My guess is that he asked for that particular scroll. The, the books of the Old Testament, the Jewish scriptures, were written on scroll after scroll. And sometimes there might be two books on one scroll, but a large book like Isaiah might have taken up more than one scroll itself. And he un-scroll, unrolled the scroll to the place that would later be known as chapter 61 of Isaiah. The scroll would be handled handled very reverently with traditions, perhaps kissing the, the scroll itself as it was unrolled. And then after reading, he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. And then he sat down, which was the normal posture for a teacher in that community. And then in the midst of this Saturday morning in Nazareth in the synagogue, We read that the people were amazed. That's a significant detail that I want to focus your attention on for a moment. Verse 22 says, All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And they asked the question Isn't this Joseph's son? Luke offers three specific details that color this picture for us. Picture a small village synagogue that is absolutely packed with every seat taken. And he offers these three details. The first is that the eyes of everyone were fastened on him, fastened on Jesus. Second, all spoke well of him, meaning up until this point in time, everything that we hear and see about Jesus was received well and positively. And then the third comment is that they were amazed, Let's focus in on that word amazed for a moment. The New Testament word that's used there is rather ambiguous and it can be interpreted according to context. There are two possible ways to take that particular term. The first is that they were filled with admiration and unexpected pleasure in being amazed at what Jesus had to say. And probably some were. But the second possible meaning is that they were astonished coupled with criticism, doubt, and even censure. Whatever feeling they had in that moment, within minutes, the congregation moves from this sense of being amazed to being so upset that they try to take Jesus up to the cliff that oversees that particular village in order to throw him off the cliff and kill him. The question that I have is, why was Team Nazareth, the synagogue crowd in Nazareth, so upset by the hope that Jesus came to offer? The first reason is that Jesus didn't start where they wanted Him to start. Verse 16 tells us Jesus went to Nazareth where He had been brought up. I would like to suggest to you that Jesus didn't start His ministry in His own hometown. You may have noticed that we began this series last week with a message called Starting with Hope. And that scene took place in Capernaum, uh, a scene that's closer to the Sea of Galilee, and it did not start in Nazareth. Matthew presents the launch of Jesus, the teaching ministry of Jesus in Capernaum, and Jesus would center there for the next two years, while Luke seems to present the launching of Jesus' teaching ministry in Nazareth. So a natural question is, which is it? Luke offers some clues as to how this played out. Both scenes are placed directly after Jesus' testing in the wilderness, but in Luke's account, By the time that Jesus showed up to teach in Nazareth, there are two other factors that accompany His arrival. The first is that the whole countryside was talking about Jesus. And then Jesus brings up their expectations in verse 23 here of Luke chapter 4. He says that they are going to tell Him, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Does this matter? I think it does. You see, Jesus had grown up in Nazareth, and they had not seen these miracles for themselves. They're hearing about it coming from reports from all of the other towns and villages around the region of Galilee. They simply saw Jesus as they had always seen him, and so they asked the question, wait a minute, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't this the guy who grew up in our town? Isn't this the, the young boy who was his dad's apprentice in the carpenter's shop? And now he's doing all of these things? And this is why everyone's eyes were fastened on Jesus when he unrolled the scroll and began to read and then teach that day. They wanted to know what had happened to the young carpenter that they barely paid attention to before. Why was all of Galilee talking about Jesus? Let me introduce the big idea for this morning's message at this point. We become upset by hope when our expectations are not aligned with who Jesus really is. Now, the second reason why they were upset is that Jesus spoke words they didn't expect him to say. So we take the end of verse 16 and lead it into verse 17. He stood up to read, and the scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. And then verse 18 tells us more. This is what Jesus began to say, quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then verse 20 takes this a little bit farther. Then He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Him. He began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The key statement is verse 21. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61 is found in the last section of the book of Isaiah that focuses on someone known as the suffering servant. This means that Jesus was claiming to be the great prophet spoken of by Moses all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 18. This this meant that Jesus was claiming that the Spirit of the Lord had anointed Him in this time, and this identified Jesus with the suffering servant who ushers in the Lord's redemption. This also meant that Jesus was saying that a new day had dawned with this statement, and some would realize that Jesus was making a veiled claim to be Israel's Messiah, the chosen one of God who was going to bring in the great phase of God's redemptive work, this new era of God's grace. Receiving this required faith. And faith always begins at the edge of your comfort zone. And Jesus was taking the people of his hometown who'd watched him grow up right to the edge of their comfort zone. We become upset by hope when our expectations are not aligned with who Jesus is. And in that moment, they didn't understand and fully embrace who Jesus was. It's why there's such a difference between the reception of Jesus in Nazareth as compared with the way Jesus was received in Capernaum and all around Galilee. So Jesus didn't start where they wanted him to start. He spoke words they didn't expect him to say. And Jesus didn't offer what they hoped he would offer. Let's go back to verse 18. He's quoting again from Isaiah and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. This is the Old Testament expression of what we call the gospel. This is the good news. And Jesus was quoting from Isaiah's prophecy about someone proclaiming good news. The point was not that all of these things would immediately happen. The point was that even the most marginalized groups in Israel would be included in this broad sweep of God's overturning grace that was breaking through. But then we notice where Jesus stopped. Jesus did not complete the quotation from Isaiah. He stopped just short of the very next line that Isaiah wrote, which says, "...and the day of vengeance of our God." The prophets and the people in Nazareth didn't have the advantage that you and I have today from the place that we are in history. Today, Christians can see in the teaching of Jesus that there was a first coming, and there will be yet a second coming of Jesus. The first coming is what we celebrate at Christmas and all through the ministry time of Jesus. The second coming is when Jesus comes at the end of time to bring ultimate justice. The Old Testament Scriptures spoke of that day with a number of different phrases, and one of them was the day of vengeance, meaning the day when God will come with both rewards but also with His swift justice that will fall upon people, and He will make things right. And at that time, it's too late to beg for mercy. The time for making things right with God is now, here, while we are alive on this earth, while we have these days. Many in Jesus' day, though, were expecting a Messiah who would come politically and militarily to overthrow the Romans. And they longed for this day of vengeance, but God in His mercy delays that time. And Jesus didn't announce the coming of the day of vengeance, He announced the coming of the day of mercy and of grace. We can avoid being upset by hope when our expectations align with who Jesus is. He also challenged in ways that they didn't expect to be challenged. If we jump down to verse 24, Jesus goes on and He says, Truly I tell you, prophets are not accepted in their own hometowns. By the time Jesus spoke these words, the tenor of that meeting in the synagogue had changed significantly. Amazed with admiration had now become fully amazed with criticism, doubt, and censure, that second possible interpretation of that word. The synagogue members in Nazareth turned into the first cancel culture of that time. Jesus didn't start where they wanted Him to start. He spoke words they didn't expect Him to say. He didn't offer what they hoped He would offer, and He challenged in ways that they never expected to be challenged. He went on to explain two times in the Old Testament when God used people outside of Israel and when He did not use His own people. The first has to do with the story of a widow in Sidon during the ministry of Elijah the prophet Sidon was north of Israel and the next country above, and through Elijah the Lord provided food and cooking oil in the midst of a time of great famine. This went on miraculously for three and a half years. And Jesus uses this as an illustration, and He points out that there were plenty of other widows in Israel during this time. But He used this woman who was from a pagan culture outside of Israel. His point was get on board with the Lord and His timing or He will work through other people. And then he used a second illustration. He told a second Old Testament story about Naaman, a Syrian man who was healed from leprosy by Elisha, the prophet just after Elijah. Elijah and Elisha were considered the two greatest prophets since Moses, and there were many miraculous events that happened during their ministries, miraculous events that had gone away until the time of Jesus. And since their time, only Jesus had used that miraculous power of God. His point in telling the story of Naaman is this. In the past, God skipped His own people when they lacked faith and when they weren't aligned with Him. Put your faith in Jesus the Messiah or you will miss the blessings He was telling the crowd in Nazareth that day. And then we find an unexpected response at the end of this encounter that Jesus has in the synagogue. Verses 28 through 30 tell us about this. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. When they heard this kind of teaching from Jesus, in other words. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Imagine that. They wanted to kill Jesus. He comes announcing hope. But they are so misaligned with what God was doing that they want to throw the agent of that hope off the cliff. But the story doesn't end there. Verse 30 says, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. In other words, they had no power over him. They were furious. They wanted to throw him off the cliff. But Jesus continued on. Now, here's where this intersects with where we're at today. At all times, Jesus comes to offer lasting hope, but embracing this redemptive, lasting hope of Jesus requires that we acknowledge the truth that we need to be redeemed from our own sins, that we actually need a Savior, that we're not so good that we are outside of the need of His help, and we have to receive Jesus on His terms and according to His timing part of the question is how do we align ourselves with Jesus one way we do that is by studying the Gospels in order to see who Jesus revealed himself to be and, and to study very closely the things that he said about himself never reinventing Jesus to fit our agenda the second way that we align ourselves with Jesus is to surrender we study and then we surrender to him to his lordship to his plan to His sovereignty, to the way that He wants to work and bring change in our lives. And then the third way that we align ourselves with Him is by starting each day asking Him to lead the way and to clear away the confusion of our time and all the temptations that seem to lead us down the wrong paths. We start by asking Him to lead the way and then commit to follow. Study, surrender, and start each day And you will find yourself more and more aligned with Jesus. You see, we become upset by hope when our expectations are not aligned with who Jesus really is, because He will blow away our false hopes. And we are ready for gospel hope when our expectations are aligned with the the way that Jesus reveals Himself. I have a question for you as I wrap up this message for this morning. Are your expectations aligned with the way that Jesus reveals himself? Jesus doesn't automatically exempt us from living in troubling times, but rather Jesus offers to change us from the inside so that how we deal with the challenges, how we deal with this ongoing isolation and all of the disruption of life becomes easier because of the way that we carry on with him and the way that His Spirit guides us. The more that we are changed people, we can change things in this world. Jesus is God's light designed to guide us in the midst of dark times. And the darker times get, the more brightly Jesus shines. Let's pray for a moment. God, we ask that You would allow us to see Jesus with clarity, that You would allow us to study and surrender and start each day with Him in such a way that the peace and shalom of Jesus Christ overwhelms us and carries us through each day. Yes, we do ask that you would lift this season of darkness and confusion and difficulty and disruption. But we also ask that before you do that, and even through however long it takes you to work out the process of that, that you'll shift our attitudes and our hearts, and that you will align our hearts and minds with your plan and with your grace so that we can shine like stars in the midst of a troubling world, and that we can offer hope to others as you fill us with hope. Lord, we ask that you would continue to grant us wisdom to know how to lead each day. We ask that you'll work through all of the different leaders who are trying to figure out solutions for our state, for our country, for the world itself. But we ask that you will cause those who have faith and hope in Jesus to shine because of that inner hope that carries us forward and that lifts us beyond the difficulties and the challenges of this life. Thank you for coming to offer hope to us all. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Folks, I want to thank you for the ways that you continue to support North River and the way that you have been very, very faithful during this time. Please realize that we are working step by step on trying to figure out the best way forward. And little by little, we will be announcing how we are going to keep moving forward together. One of the ways that you've been faithful has been with your giving, and I want to thank you for that. Uh, you You are keeping North River going financially, and we have seen... The, the ways that uh, you have been, been continuing to, to give faithfully during this time. Now, there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can click on the Give button that is going to show up on your screen, and that will take you to an online tool. You can pull out your phone, and you can text North River CC, and then the number 77977, that will take you to uh, a, a number of prompts to follow that will allow you to give right off of your phone. You can also go to our website, northriverchurch.org, and look for the Give button. Or you can work through your bank's uh, online bill pay provision. And of course, you can always mail a check to us here at North River Church, 334 Old Oak Street, Pembroke, Mass., 02359. Thank you for continuing on. The church continues its work even while everything changes around us. Thanks for being with us today as we talk about finding hope for the next several weeks.